Welcome football fans. Buckle up for another hard-hitting episode of Player 54 Podcast, a show focused solely on the XFL. From a sunny Southwest Florida studio, here's your host Michael Lathrop. Hello football fans. This is episode 109. A new year, a new league. This episode is brought to you by our friends at True Victory. If you are not perfect, if you have ever struggled, if you have ever failed, if you have ever been the underdog, if you have ever doubted yourself or been doubted by others, if you want to get better, be better, and make our world better, this is the perfect brand for you. Founded by U.S. military veterans, True Victory is a sportswear and streetwear brand dedicated to building everyday champions on and off the field. True Victory is not simply a company, they're a cause. Its purpose is to transform lives and elevate humanity through the power and unity of sports, positive stories, and serving others. They are dedicated to the game, the grind, and the globe. But most importantly, they are dedicated to you. If you want to strive for something better, while proudly showing others your determination, grit, and supporting people like yourself, Check out the True Victory Shop by simply clicking on the link provided in the show's description and notes and enter the code PLAYER54 at checkout to receive 15% off your purchase. The XFL and the United States Football League have announced plans to merge. A move that ensures spring football is here to stay. This is an iconic moment. This will bring together two of the best spring leagues we've ever seen. It's a win for football and for fans. The United Football League has arrived. There's no doubt spring just got stronger. Happy New Year. The XFL and USFL are once again a thing of the past. 2024 will be a year of the United Football League. Whether you are ready or not, change is happening and a new and hopefully stronger Spring Football League is upon us. Our apologies for delaying this episode. We were fortunate to coordinate a last-minute guest. This week, the End Zone founder and host, Sean Fradella, joins the show to discuss the United Football League announcements and more. But first, we have those developments to cover. So, let's get to it. On December 28th, Pro Football Newsroom journalist James Larson reported the following via his ex, formerly known as Twitter account, at 2.41 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Breaking. In another turn of events, the San Antonio Brahmas have a new coach. Per sources, Heinz Ward is out. Wade Phillips is lined up to take over as head coach of the San Antonio Brahmas. Another bizarre twist in the USFL-XFL merger. Also on December 28th, XFL insider Mike Mitchell confirmed Larson's report on his ex, formerly known as Twitter account, at 4.28 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Heinz Ward is indeed out due to a contractual disagreement. Ward didn't agree to terms of the new merged league's coaching contracts, set to begin on January 1st. So the league has pivoted by placing Wade Phillips as the new head coach of the San Antonio Brahmas. For what it is worth, Mitchell's post included a repost of Larson's report. 
On December 29th, Pro Football Newsroom journalist James Larson reported new information pertaining to XFL players and the new merged league via his ex, formerly known as Twitter account, with a screenshot of a redacted email from XFL Senior Vice President of Player Personnel, Doug Whaley, dated December 29th, which stated the following. Dear XFL player, as we prepare for the season, the XFL wanted to recognize your contributions and thank you for playing a vital role in the league's success to date. As you may know, we are in the process of finalizing a merger with the USFL. More information about the new league will be sent to players in the coming weeks. Pursuant to terms of your XFL standard player contract, your XFL employment will expire on December 31st, 2023. If you elected benefits, you will no longer have active medical, dental, or vision benefits coverage with the XFL effective January 1st, 2024. If you elected benefits, you should receive a COBRA packet in the mail from iSolved, our COBRA administrators. We are in the process of building league rosters for the 2024 season. Although many players from the retained teams will remain on their team rosters, we are implementing mechanisms for players from unretained teams to have the opportunity to be drafted into the league, including two upcoming drafts. If you are drafted by a team, invited to training camp, and choose to play in the league, you will report to camp in Arlington, Texas on February 23, 2024. We recommend that you forward this letter to your representative for his or her review. Please stay in contact with your team's director of player personnel, if applicable, or a league office representative about your decision to play in the league this upcoming season. You contact me, Information Redacted, or Russ Gielo from Information Redacted, with any questions. Sincerely, Doug Whaley. On December 30th, Pro Football Newsroom journalist James Larson reported the following on his ex, formerly known as Twitter account. While tomorrow's announcement isn't likely to hold much else other than the new league name and official merger acknowledgement, here are a couple things I've heard per sources. USFL Championship is currently set for June 15th, hearing St. Louis not confirmed quite yet. The Houston franchise, interestingly enough, should be branded as the Roughnecks, but will feature the Gamblers players' coaches' staff. Daryl Johnston, USFL president, will retain a role in the UFL expected to fill the hole that Mark Ross, Executive Vice President of Football Operations, left the XFL with a couple of months ago. First, dispersal draft is now tentatively set for January 5th. As always, given the fluidity of the situation up to this point, things can still technically change until the leagues make things official. Not everything will be announced tomorrow, as the eight finalized teams may not come till later this week. On December 31st, XFL co-owners Danny Garcia and Dwayne The Rock Johnson appeared on NFL on Fox pregame show where they announced that USFL and XFL have completed their merger and have rebranded as the United Football League. Here is the audio clip from their appearance. Yes, we have huge news after an incredible two seasons that the USFL has had and an incredible XFL season last year. The USFL and the XFL are merging to create... The United Football League, the UFL. Nice. UFL, baby. And there's the logo. And UFL. Oh, there. Hey, we yeah, already got there. the official football. We're yeah. ready to go. Yeah. <laughs> you know, how in our, ambas our ambassadors for the USFL, you two resurrected the FXFL. What, why now? What, what made you two come together and join forces? Uh, we wanted to join forces for a few reasons. I think, number one, to grow the game of football. Mm. And it's a game that we all love and create opportunities for players. Because as you guys know, as we all know firsthand, how important that is. And also, 
uh, deliver for the fans. Yeah. And if you think about it over, this is 30 years in spring football of starting and stopping, starting and stopping. So this merger between USFX, USFL and XFL, it feels like we got a shot to establish that spring football is here to stay. Yeah, you're bringing two leagues together. You know, we know what we saw in the USFL. What can we expect to see from the new league? Uh, I, I think in the UFL, the kind of football you're going to expect to uh, see is I think these players are going to play hard-nosed, intense football, passionate football. And I, I think, I'll look at it like this. So you guys right now, we've talked about this. When Danny and I came out of college, University of Miami, best school in the country, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we were then that 95 draft. And... The dream for me was to play in the NFL, and you guys live that dream, right? So you guys live that dream in the NFL. So imagine, I always like to say, I'm player number 54. 53 men on an NFL roster, I'm always number 54. DJ, you're good, but if you had a little bit more experience, yeah. you might be okay. You might make it to the Things league. have worked out for Things you. have worked out, Howie. But imagine, okay, imagine all those 54s out there, and yeah. you tell them, you got one more shot in the UFL, and then to go on to the NFL potentially, how do you think they'll play? They're going to ball out. So that's what we expect. Yeah, we've seen a lot of great we've yeah. seen a lot of great stories in the league already. That's right. Dan, Danny, what's your vision for what this can do for not just the the players but fans also? Well, you know, the uh, actually these are shared visions. So the USFL and the XFL were very specific. We were all about unleashing the dreams that football makes possible. And that comes down to everyone who lives around the ball. The fans, the players, our partners, our refs, and they're going to see more of that. They're going to see the combination of heritage and innovation. Mm. So the UFL, what we can do is we can open the chapter and enrich the chapter today of football, but we can define football in the future. And we're going to do that with great partners. We're going to do that on Fox, on ESPN, on ABC, on FS1. And our first match will be March 30th. Okay. Where we will right have... Right around the corner. Right, right around yeah. the corner. Daddy, got me fired up. All right, I Daddy, keep going. People love, people <laughs> love football. I think that's one of the things, you know, I've been one of those guys fortunate enough. I did the XFL when it was on Fox, did the USFL when it was on Fox. And you get to see, you talk about the passion between the fans and the players. It, it, it really, spring football is special. Like in markets you get in Birmingham, you get in Arlington, Texas, people love this sport and they love seeing guys have an extra opportunity. And this provides that. And we're so excited to be a part of it. Yeah. We really are. And the great thing Amazing. is you guys don't do anything halfway. You go all out. And I, and <laughs> I know, but I think that. that's what we love because that's what it takes to be successful as an athlete. And you're giving athletes opportunities. Absolutely. And 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 that's, that's special. Yeah. I love seeing that. And that's what it comes down to is just creating opportunities for players. One last question here for the fans. We, we see so much innovation, you know, from the, the replay to the officiating to the microphones, the cameras. Anything that we can expect to see that you can reveal at this point? Oh, uh, well, 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 listen, guys, I got to tell you, we got we got to talk about the cities. We could talk about the innovation, the gameplay, the style of play. But let's talk about the cities. Now, we'll have to wait because we're going to go on college game day tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you at the Rose Bowl. <laughs> so we'll, we'll be like that. that. One thing you can expect is that we have our, as I was mentioning, we have our Birmingham Stallions, our USFL champion, yeah. who will be playing our XFL champions, wow. the Arlington wow. Renegades. That's our opener. Champions so, versus oh, champions. Champions versus champions. Can't wait for it. Well, thank you so much for joining us, making the announcement here. Really good to see you both. Thank you so much. Up, you can catch the games <laughs> starting March 30th. It's the debut of the UFL. Mark your calendars. From Danny Garcia's mouth to our ears, the United Football League is not wasting any time in giving USFL and XFL fans what they want. Both leagues' champions kick off the new merge league on March 30th.
Also on December 31st, the United Football League's press release included additional information about its leadership team and partners. Former XFL president and CEO Russ Brandon will lead the United Football League as president and CEO. Former USFL president and CEO Daryl Johnston will lead football operations. Partner commentary, Eric Shanks, chief executive officer and executive producer of Fox Sports. Jimmy Pataro, chairman of ESPN. Danny Garcia, founder, CEO, and chairwoman of the Garcia Companies. Dwayne The Rock Johnson, founder and CEO of Seven Bucks Companies. Jerry Cardinal, founder and managing partner of Redbird Capital Partners. These will be the key figures and decision makers behind the United Football League. Also on December 31st, Pro Football Newsroom correspondent Luke Miller unearthed the location of the United Football League's first game between the Arlington Renegades and Birmingham Stallions, while responding to an ex-formerly known as Twitter post by Arlington Renegades ticket representative Brian Goldsmith. Miller asked, opener in Arlington? Which Goldsmith replied, yep. I must note, the United Football League has not released its 2024 schedule. Although Goldsmith's response is eye-opening and potentially accurate, it has not been conferred by league executives or an official press release. On January 1st, United Football League co-owners Danny Garcia and Dwayne The Rock Johnson appeared on ESPN's College Game Day where they announced the league's eight teams and head coaches. Here is an audio clip from their appearance. Well, we promised a big announcement. Eight teams, two conferences. Who are they going to be? Okay. Here we go. The two conferences. We're starting off with the XFL conference. We will go back to our Arlington Renegades, who were our XFL champions, 2023, coached by the legendary Bob Stoops. After that, Bob back in the mix. Stoops is in the mix. Then here it is, the Beer Snake, the DC Defenders, which with our XFL coach of the year, Reggie Barlow, who did such a fantastic job. This was a stacked team. We are so excited to be back there. See the beer snake. We then move on to one of our newer teams, the San Antonio Brahmas. You know, the Brahmas and the Alamo Dome hosted our championship game. We have <laughs> Wade Phillips, who will be coaching that team. We are so excited to be back in that market. And then, of course, one of the, I would say, the most successful market in spring football, which was St. Louis. Our St. Louis Battlehawks, where Caw is a law, that passionate fan base, that great team with the passionate Anthony Becht doing his thing and leading them again. They spread out every week. The guys, we were averaging 30, 35,000 fans there every week. It was very, very cool. All right. So now I'm going to give this a crack on to the USFL conference. Our Birmingham Stallions, two-time XFL champions led by veteran coach Skip Holtz. Enthusiastic fan base there in Birmingham. Then we're going to move over to Houston. So Houston, uh, boys, was one of our overlapping markets, XFL and USFL. We decided to take the USFL, uh, USFL Houston Gamblers, and we now... Um, we now uh, made them the XFL Houston Roughnecks and coached by Curtis Johnson. And we look forward to getting down there with the Houston Roughnecks. Now on to the Memphis Showboats. I love Memphis. That's where I started my wrestling career, making 40 bucks a match. <laughs> the Showboats, man, they play exciting football down there. Are we living within a hotel owner? Uh, uh, downtown Bruno. Yeah. Yeah, man. I saw a young rock. I said, you got it. <laughs> He's leading Memphis. And then finally, we got the Michigan Panthers, uh, led by head coach Mike Nolan, hard-hitting Panthers. Went to the playoffs last year. 
Cannot wait. They're going to be a great team. What did I do? Great. The reports, rumors, and speculation are over. Whether it be a hiatus, being shelved, or whatever term people would like to use, the following brands and teams will not be involved in the 2024 United Football League season. Houston Gamblers, New Jersey Generals, Philadelphia Stars, Pittsburgh Maulers, Orlando Guardians, Seattle Sea Dragons, Vegas Vipers. As a Guardian season ticket holder from its time in both the New York metropolitan area and Orlando, I understand and feel for the fans whose team will not play in 2024 and perhaps beyond. It is difficult at the moment, but if you can, when the United Football League kicks off on March 30th, support the league. I am not asking you to adopt a surviving team, but if you tune in and watch games, it could help boost broadcast viewership and show league executives that your market and team should be considered for any potential additions or expansion in the future. Do not accept your team's omission in 2024 as the final nail in the coffin. Think positively and look forward to 2025 and 2026. Also on January 1st, Jim Ross, the mayor of Arlington, Texas, posted the following on his official Facebook account. Folks, this just keeps getting better. The XFL and USFL merged and formed the United Football League. Not only have the Arlington Renegades been included in the merger, but the new UFL will be headquartered here in Arlington. This season will kick off on March 30th, 2024 with the Battle of the Champions. The USFL champion, the Birmingham Stallions, will face off against our XFL champion, Arlington Renegades, at Choctaw Stadium. Let's get out and support our champions. This makes two sources to mention this game will be held in Arlington, Texas. On January 2nd, Marshall University announced the following additions to its football coaching staff, which impact United Football League teams. D.C. Defenders tight ends coach Cody Krill joins the herd as offensive line coach. Birmingham Stallions defensive backs coach Bob Shoup has been elevated from his analyst role with the herd to safeties coach. With less than 90 days to the USFL's kickoff and less than two months to training camp, expect more staffing announcements to shore up the league's vacancies in the near future. Also on January 2nd, United Football League President and CEO Russ Brandon appeared on 101 ESPN, the opening drive in St. Louis. Here is a clip from his appearance on ESPN Radio. Russ, one of the differences between the XFL and the USFL was that a lot of times USFL teams didn't play their games at home. What will be the case with the UFL? Yeah, so what we're going to do there, Randy, is uh, we're going to be in market for all the games. So the, the USFL conference, which will feature Birmingham, Memphis, um, and Michigan, and Houston, they will play all their games in market like we did uh, last year in the XFL. So we're going to still have our centralized uh, uh, operations uh, down in Arlington, Texas this year again. So it'll be very similar to what uh, coffee fans saw last year with coming into the marketplace. We'll be very active with Brandon Williams leading our team in, in St. Louis uh, in the community. So we're uh, going into that that type of operation where every, every team will be playing uh, year-round or I should say season-long in market. What would be some of the benefits of this merger? I think, you know, bottom line is it's great for, for spring football. You've seen the amount of players you just alone in, in St. Louis that have gone on to the NFL with AJ Hakeem, a couple of examples there. And, and, you know, there was good football across the board, but to have 
two competing leagues in spring football, probably it, it probably makes more sense to have one league that's that focuses on the ecosystem and it's about development. It's about giving players opportunity and the opportunity for players to go back to the national football league. If that's what they desire to keep their uh, careers going, if that's what they desire, but it also, you know, from a coaching development standpoint, from a support staff across the board, I think it's a great opportunity. And I think you're going to see really good football and it, it only strengthens the ecosystem, especially with everything going on with college football, it, this is a great opportunity for young men that want to continue to keep playing. And I know you guys are still working on a lot of the details that I'm sure you'll be releasing soon, but can we expect anything different game-wise experience, with the experience? That's a great question. I think you'll see it very similar, uh, but we are anticipating some some alterations. You know, the USFL and the XFL, we continue as management to merge our leagues. Uh, Daryl Johnston, who you'll remember from Dallas Cowboy fame, will be running football operations. And we'll continue to work with Doug and Dean Blandino, Mike Pereira, who are two legends when it comes to uh, rules and officiating. We'll, we'll continue to be on our squad and we'll continue to refine and, and do what's best for the game. Um, I think people love the transparency that we provided last year with officiating and how Dean spoke to officials and some of the nuances, but we'll continue to also work with, with Troy Vincent in the national football league and, and uh, see what's best for our game moving forward. So more to come there, but we're in the, we're, we're into it right now. We've got a, a lot to get done here in the next six weeks before we go to training camp. And then we kick off on March 30th and uh, the season will go through uh, middle of June of this year. And when do you anticipate that a schedule for the entire league will be out? I anticipate it by the middle of the month. We're, we're working diligently on that. We have, you know, obviously a great partner in Fox, who's one of the ownership groups here. And, you know, games will be on Fox and ESPN and, and ABC. So we'll have really good windows for, for television purposes. But one thing we know is that the Battlehawk fans will show out and anticipate great crowds again. And I still, last year, we'll, we'll never forget going for a run at nine o'clock in the morning and it's 30 degrees out and there's seven, 8,000 people tailgating before the first game. So looking forward to seeing that again. Oh, Russ, we, we love it here in St. Louis. Russ Brandon, president and CEO of the UFL is with us on 101 ESPN. A couple of other things to touch on. Number one, uh, last year, we kind of fell in love with A.J. McCarron in this town. And when McCarron signed with the Bengals, it was pointed out that his rights would still belong to the Battlehawks. With the merger, is that still the case? Are, are our guys that signed in the in the NFL still going to be the property of the Battlehawks? Yeah, that is correct. Um, we're going through a process right now with dispersal draft and protections and different things along those lines. But uh, Anthony... And Dave Bowler, your general manager, will continue to frame the roster. Obviously, AJ did an amazing job for not only the Battlehawks, but for the league as well. You don't have to look much further than week one uh, to see the emotion um, of that game and, and in his children and everything around that. So um, AJ, I'm sure if he, if he chooses to come back, and I know he's on the Bengals now, uh, I'm sure he would be a Battlehawk moving forward if that's what Anthony and Dave choose to do and if, and if AJ chooses to do that. And, of course, we're very excited to have Coach Anthony Beck back. How great was he for the Battlehawks last season? And he just was really a champion of the Battlehawks and really hyping up the team around town. Yeah, I uh, I can't say enough about Anthony. I think, number one, I think he's one of the best young coaches in our sport. And I also think with his ties to St. Louis, 
and what it meant to him. Uh, he did an outstanding job both on and off the field. Um, he does uh, great work I and mean, he's great on social media. He loves to engage with the fans in the marketplace. Um, he did, did an outstanding job, and uh, I think he represents St. Louis very well. Uh, Russ, uh, you t- people can get tickets at theufl.com, theufl.com, and uh, – I, I would imagine that, and I know you're traveling today, that over the course of the next six weeks, it's going to be nonstop. You're going to have to have your, your foot all the way down on that gas pedal, are you? Yeah, the throttle's been down for a while, Randy. <laughs> we're, we're rolling pretty good right now, but uh, no, the next six weeks will be will be a lot of fun. It'll be a lot of work, um, but it's for the, for the right reasons. You know, the, the USL, with the merger of these two leagues, I, I truly believe that this is – a very, very long-term play. Um, you know, we're doing this for the right reasons, like I said, for the football ecosystem, but also for, for the fan bases. And, and there's no better fan base than St. Louis. And can't wait to get there uh, over the next six weeks and, and get the uh, fans fired up about what's to come. And I, I know there will be a lot coming to Battle Hawk fans here over the next few weeks as well from the USL. Hey, one other thing from me, it's noticeable that there are no teams in the mountain or Pacific time zones. How difficult was that decision to make? And is that a concern at all that basically half the country is not going to have access to the games on a weekly basis? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, we're going to continue to, to look at it and all the decisions were difficult. No question, Randy, from that standpoint. Um, but, you know, we're, we're, we're looking at long-term, you know, we're looking at expansion and opportunities and, I'm certain that that will be a part of the equation moving forward. But, yeah, it was difficult to get here. There's a lot of great markets that were super supportive. Um, but there was a lot to lot to do between the two leagues, and there's a lot to be done. So um, looking forward to just kicking off and getting this thing pointed in the right direction. And like I said, we're we're here for the very, very long haul, and we are in St. Louis for the for, – for, I'm going to say the very long haul. We are finally getting some United Football League news and key people providing some more insight on what we can anticipate with the league moving forward. I would like to acknowledge some of Russ Brandon's talking points. All games are being played in each of the team's home markets like the XFL did in 2023, utilizing the XFL hub model from 2023 in Arlington, Texas. Similar gameplay, but some alterations from the 2023 XFL rules. Dean Blandino and Mike Pereira will be involved in the game rules and officiating. Schedule release is anticipated for the middle of January. AJ McCarron and players alike, player rights appear to be held by the teams who they've previously played for. The merger is for a long-term play. The United Football League is looking at expansion and opportunities. Sounds like things are not completely determined and hopefully by the time training camp begins in February, Likely, with the exception of expansion, this will all be finalized and made public. On January 3rd, the USFL Player Association posted league contraction information on its ex-formerly known as Twitter account, which included three phases. Both Phase 1 and 2 will commence on January 5th. Phase 1, Surviving Teams Protected Designations, each USFL team can protect up to 42 players. Phase 2, Protected designations involving players on non-surviving teams, each surviving team shall have the right to claim up to 20 protected players from non-surviving USFL teams. Phase 3, dispersal draft on January 15th, remaining 2023 USFL roster players who are not protected during phases 1 and 2 are eligible to participate in a dispersal draft, which all teams, USFL and XFL, 
participating in the 2024 season. Also on January 3rd, Pro Football Newsroom journalist James Larson reported the following on his ex, formerly known as Twitter account, at 1.03 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. League source confirms that, as expected, the first XFL mini-dispersal draft for XFL teams will also be taking place on Friday. Results are not expected to be made public until Monday, give or take, from what I have been told. Hashtag UFL. Also on January 3rd, XFL insider and Sports Illustrated Fan Nation journalist Mike Mitchell reported the following on his ex-formerly known as Twitter account at 1.37 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The first UFL dispersal draft does indeed commence on Friday, January 5th amongst all eight teams, with a player pool from disbanded 2023 USFL and XFL teams. The league will not officially release results until Monday. It's a multi-layered process. Although the three-phase process appears to be somewhat clear, there is no doubt more to it than what we are aware of. Try to be patient and wait for Monday's release. As I had previously mentioned, we will now be joined by the Endzone founder and host, Sean Fredella, to discuss the United Football League's announcements and more. Welcome, Sean. I appreciate you taking the time to come on to the show to discuss this week's United Football League announcements and maybe a little more. Thank you for having me. It's an exciting time in spring football. This is something we've been waiting for for a really, really long time. Yeah, it's been a matter of months since they announced the intent to merge or even the leak came out through Sports Business Journal and whatnot. And I believe it was the Axios article, if I recall correctly, there was two different uh, sources supporting it. But it does feel like forever. And I know even in the space of the XFL and USFL, there's always that talk of, you know, eventually everyone wanted to see the merger when we all thought it was going to be like four or five years off and kind of surprised how quick that came about. But, you know, we won't get into that right now. Before we really dive into that big announcement, if you don't mind, I always think it's beneficial for our listeners if you would take a moment and just share a bit about yourself, a little, a little bit of your, your background, because I think you're pretty interesting. Uh, I had been following the end zone for a while, and I'll be honest with you, I didn't realize you were as young as you were. I think that's interesting of itself because you, you've been around for a, a moment there in this space doing various videos and whatnot. So, you know, why don't you just walk us through a little bit about you, why you decided to do it when you started to launch the end zone? What was the whole thought process? at the yeah. beginning compared to where you're at today because then we could dive into this and people understand that you've been in the space despite age you've been in the space a lot longer than probably some people will be like oh no kidding so please here's your soapbox get up there and talk about yourself a little bit awesome i've actually never had the opportunity to do this but this all started in middle school so in middle school i was in a film class and i learned to edit and work on videos in my film class. And we won film of the year that year. We made a really funny movie. I won't get into that, but it's not available to the public yet. Maybe we'll do a director's cut. But I edited a college football highlight video, and it was just for the whole entire season. It wasn't a specific team. And in middle school, I think it was about 2015 or 16. Don't remember the exact year. And the video I released, it had like hype music and stuff, and it got 50,000 views. I just made like a random YouTube. It was under my own name. And it did really well, and I got a bunch of positive comments. So I started doing these highlight reels on my YouTube channel 
And I started to get, you know, a decent following. And I really just did it for fun. And I always loved sports and I always thought, oh, it'd be awesome to be a sports commentator. But, you know, I never thought it would actually be real. You know, whenever you tell somebody you want to work in sports, their immediate reaction was, oh, good luck doing that. Good luck making money. It's really competitive. You know, all that. A lot of the naysayers, you know. So I had done that for a while. And then 2018 comes around and there's talks of this new football league called the Alliance of American Football. And I was like, wow, that's really interesting. I've always had an interest in startups and a startup football league sounds super cool to me. And the fact that it was in the spring so I could watch football in the fall and then also have the spring. I was like, yeah, awesome. And then there was a Birmingham team and I was like, okay, nobody's really talking about this on YouTube or social media. I'm going to do it. So I just started posting videos and I think I didn't even use a mic on my computer. I literally just went into iMovie and started doing a talk over. And when you look at the past videos, they're horrible. But I was the only person talking about the Alliance of American Football. So I got hundreds of thousands of views on uniform rankings and quarterback rankings, things like that. So I was like, this is cool. I kind of just doing a my own talk show like you would see Colin Coward's talk show or Stephen A. Smith. Like that was kind of the goal. I wanted to have guests on and things like that. Basically, the Alliance of American Football folded. As you know, it did not make it a complete season, made about eight weeks. But I got to form relationships with a lot of players. One of those was Scooby Wright, who's been a longtime spring football guy. I went to an Arizona Hot Shots game. That was super awesome. Went to a lot of Iron games and some others. And I fell in love with spring football and just the story and the idea that all these players could make a name for themselves. And, you know, even if they don't make it to the NFL, they have a league that they can play football in and make money. And to me, that was awesome. So then it folded. I was like, okay, I've got to think of a, you know, that was a blind side, the Alliance of American Football folding. But I had to come up with an idea in a way to just talk football in general, NFL and college. So I rebranded from the AAF zone to the end zone. And I came up with the move the chains, you know, all the marketing stuff. And I actually talked college football and NFL for a while, but then it was just way too much. Like it was just too much to cover and super competitive. I was like, okay, the USFL is coming out. The XFL is coming out. I'm going to go back into my niche. And then that actually landed me a job. So last year I, I did not post, which was unfortunate because I love posting and doing videos, but I worked for the USFL last year. So that was the reason why I was not able to post due to conflict of interest, which totally makes sense. And uh, I really enjoyed working for the United States Football League. It was really fun seeing the inside and, you know, how these leagues are operated and sort of what's going on. But I still followed the XFL as much as I could. You know, obviously my summer and my springs were insanely busy. Even leading up to the league, we're just incredibly busy with the USFL. But it was something that I would never trade. And now I'm back. And I don't think I'll work in spring football ever again because I really enjoy doing this and then maybe just having another job as well. Because this to me is just really, really fun to talk about something that I enjoy so much. So in what capacity do you work for the USFL, if you don't mind? Or is that something you can kind of mm -hmm. get into? 
Yeah. So I was an intern for communications. So if you watch the USFL games, you may have seen me on the sidelines of every single game. I did my fair share of the United States Football League game watching in person. I've got a lot of funny stories, but yeah, so communications would be before the game, making sure all the broadcast booths, the radio booths, the coaches have their sheets with all the rosters, you know, the game day rosters, who's inactive, who's active, things like that. We'd also make sure anybody in the media who was in the media booth, uh, like the writers, would have their information, the local and the national writers. So RJ Young was one of those um, with Fox. He was a regular. And then dur- during the games, we'd go down to the sidelines. And if anything happened, like an injury, we would be responsible for going to report just what happened. So the booth knows what's going on and they can talk about it, you know? So um, it's kind of like the behind the scenes that you don't see when you're watching a college football or NFL game. Like, how do they know these injuries so quickly or what's going on? Well, there's a person on the sideline getting that information, radioing it in so that the people in the booth who are announcing the game, like Joel Klatt and uh, Gus Johnson, could say, oh, number 45 has a leg injury and he's going to be out for the rest of the game. And then we'd also work with the sideline reporters and, and cool stuff like that. Then after the games, we would have to set up the post game interviews. And it was always difficult because you had to get the coaches and the players, they'd go to their locker rooms and you have to get them back out into the interviewing process on time. And it was always easy to get the winning team to do the interview, but it was always very, very difficult to get the losing team to want to go interview after a game. And it was always awkward with the head coaches. And there are so many funny stories. It was an incredible opportunity, and I really got to learn the ins ins and outs of communications and broadcasting. Well, I think that's fascinating, and maybe it doesn't dive too much into the football aspect of it, but it doesn't matter. You're still surrounding it. Like you mentioned, Mm -hmm. you're on the sideline. You interact with people. You essentially give us the cliff note version. That's Yes. You you get to witness so much more and experience so much more, which is really cool and fascinating. I did... uh, my internship back in the day with professional soccer team and professional lacrosse team, they're owned by the same office. So the office was all the same and game day experience, everything leading up to game day or post game, everything. It just doesn't matter what your title is. You usually end up doing more outside. And yes. assuming as an intern of some sort, you probably did as well. So I kind of get it. I think it's fascinating because yes, it's a whole different world when you're behind the scenes, even if you, get caught in a camera or not you're still behind the scenes because it's oh, yeah. it doesn't come to you know to light so i think it's interesting also because i know now that these two camps are coming together you have a usfl fan base and league you have a you know xfl fan base and league and everyone's always gonna be like oh so-and-so is a usfl guy so-and-so is an xfl guy right that bias right okay mm-hmm. we're one family now doesn't matter yes. If it's, you know, a stepmom, a stepdad, whatever, it's like bringing the two families together. We're one family now. We're in the same house. We're going to have holidays together. doesn't matter what the old traditions were. Like we had a new path going forward together. So I think it's pretty fitting, regardless of how strong either of our biases are, is that we actually kind of come from two different camps here. So we're going to have a pretty candid conversation, like I mentioned. So we're going to dive right into this, Sean. 
And yeah. and for context, I used to live in St. Louis as well as Houston. So and when XFL 2020 was around, I was a massive, massive Roughnecks fan as well as St. Louis Battlehawks fan. I was supposed to go to Houston week six to see PJ Walker. I had all my gear. I got my Roughneck shirt and I was so excited. And then the world stopped. I was literally so disappointed. I was so sad. I was so ready to go to Houston and see this game because I loved the Roughnecks. But yeah, I, I love both leagues. So, All right. Maybe we're not as biased as people are going to think or anticipate us to be. So on New Year's Eve, XFL, I'm going to use these terms you know, loosely right now because that's the camp that came from. XFL co-owners Danny Garcia and Dwayne The Rock Johnson made a guest appearance on NFL Fox's pregame show where they finally made the announcement of the merged league's new name and brand, the United Football League. Wasn't much of a surprise or a kept secret, right? (laughs) It had been rumored. It had been leaked for a while. It's like, all right, it's official. Knowing that it's official, and then we've now had a couple of days to sit on this. What are your thoughts on the United Football League name and brand? So... There was a United Football League before this, and I think not many people know about it because it wasn't very big. And some people made the comments that, why name a league after another failed league? And I understand that. But I think that marketing-wise, it really makes sense because you're literally uniting two football leagues. And I like the logo. I think it looks pretty sharp. I wish it had more color, but also it does feel like it's a combination between the USFLs and the XFLs in a sense that it's UFL. You're literally just taking the states off. So it's closer in name to the United States Football League, but the logo looks closer in style to the XFL 3.0s. If I had to rank it in terms of logo and branding, I like it better than the XFL 3.0's logo. I don't think I like it as much as the Alliance of American Football, USFL's, or the original XFL's logos, and then XFL 2020's logo, just just because it doesn't have much color. But that's just me, like, I'm a marketing major, and those are things that I look for. But it's I think it's going to look good on a uniform, or it's something that could look good on a collared T-shirt and things like that, uh, just like design-wise. But I, I like the idea of the United Football League. I think it's awesome that they're doing the divisions and they're keeping the XFL and USFL names on the divisions. I think that's really smart. Originally, I was against that. And before they announced, or before it was kind of rumored that there would be divisions, I was talking to James Larson, who's an insider, and he was talking to me about how They're going to have these mini drafts where they're going to keep the XFL talent on the XFL side and the USFL talent on the USFL side. And my initial reaction was, that just seems like a giant headache. Like, why why not just put all the players in one pool? And and I was like, that just seems kind of territorial. Aren't we trying to get away from this territorialness that we have, like the vitriol and the hate of each other's leagues that you see so much on social media? Uh, Are we trying to get rid of that? But instead, they're leaning into it. And honestly, 
I think that's a good idea. And and he was explaining to me, oh, no, there's going to be divisions. They're going to keep the XFL brand name. They're going to keep the USFL brand name and have these separate divisions and keep the teams and stuff. And I was like, you know what? Not only is that cool for the fans, but that's probably awesome for the players because it's like being in the SEC or being in the Big Ten. Like there's a Big Ten brand of football. There's going to be an XFL brand of football. There's going to be a USFL brand of football. They're going to be different. And I think that it's good for marketing and good for everything. I'm not a big take guy, right? I don't share a bunch of craziness on my show. I'm a pretty straightforward guy, but I have a guest on and we kind of talk about where I will typically share some of my thoughts. So when I look at the United Football League and since we've had some time, obviously I've had time to kind of wrap my head around it. And it's not that it's this crazy idea or name. It's what you alluded to. There was another league, and I believe it it was, what, four teams at most, maybe a six-team at one point. I, I know it's in the earlier 2000s, and I remember there was like a team in Connecticut, a team in Florida. There yeah, was it was like 2012-ish. There was an Omaha team that was the most popular. I think Virginia Beach, maybe. Exactly. I'm not I positive. I think I didn't... at one point had it. I think it was actually okay. former Speaker of the House of Nancy Pelosi's husband that owned the Sacramento or California franchise, whatever it was. Name yes, that, like Redwoods or something like that. But anyway, uh, guys, I'm not an expert on the United Football League of the earlier 2000s, so please do yeah. not hold my feet to the fire on this. I am <laughs> just trying to shoot off the top of my head and what I may recall if I'm right or not. But anyway, so when I look at this, you're right. I'm like, you know, we are uniting two leagues. I think united and not just the sense of the United States Football League. I think it's just a united football league. So. I think both leagues lost a letter, the X and the S, right? It is a way of combining with everyone essentially losing something out of their name, right? So when I look at that, yeah, it might feel closer to the United States Football Leagues or the USFLs, but in the end, to me, I do see it emerging in that sense. But what I also like it about uniting is that they're about trying to solidify alternative spring professional football. and why not essentially find a way to bring in the UFL from earlier 2000s, the USFL that had ties to the 80s, 2022, 2023 season. The XFL has ties to 2001, 2020, now 2023. When I look at this name, they are solidifying it. They're bringing it together. Hey, we are trying to make sure this is going to be spring football. It's kind of a tip of the hat to another league. Like we're we're gonna bring you in one way or another. So it's like if you're a fan here, this is spring professional spring football. If you're a fan of the XFL, this is for you know professional spring football. USFL again, you're bringing people from multiple generations, different time zones when they were tuning in. I think in a way it's kind of brilliant. Yeah, and and it is also protecting themselves because by owning the trademarks, all the intellectual property to the USFL, the XFL the ufl no one's gonna ever take these nostalgia previously established brands and ever create another startup to rival you so now they're kind of essentially bringing all of these notable brands in this niche of a sport and time frame all under one which i think is kind of brilliant so that's where i come from and i look at it when you talk about marketing sense and kind of just Make sure you you know you bring all of that into one, and hopefully that works for them. It makes it kind of successful. 
right? I know we've always had this kind of ship in the open waters and different storms have come and some have lasted longer than others, but ultimately they've all ended up in a shipwreck. And here we are, hopefully by everything coming together, maybe this is what it takes. And hopefully people are not so entrenched into their camp, which I mean league and teams, and we're going to be a little bit more open-minded here. Because I've lost my teams. Uh, I'm yeah. a Guardians fan. I was a season ticket holder when they were in MetLife when I lived in Syracuse, drove down. And I was a season ticket holder here where I drove three hours from where I live in Southwest Florida to Orlando. I'm losing my team. Now, hiatus, pause, whatever maybe. But for now, I don't have my team in 2024. It is what mm-hmm. it is. I won't adopt another team, but I will follow. And I'm going to continue doing what I'm doing. So I'm going to just share that. So why don't we kind of get into also the nitty gritty. Danny Garcia also shared that they're not wasting any time. They're putting the two champions head to head week one on March 30th to kick this whole thing off. I don't know if you've seen it, Sean, but there have been multiple things now that have surfaced. I believe his name is Brian Goldsmith, a ticket rep of the Arlington Renegades, essentially answered somebody on X, formerly known as Twitter, that it's a home game for the Renegades. Yes. And then, I believe it was the following day, or two days later, the mayor of Arlington put out a post on his social media accounts stating that the Renegades are back and they're going to be part of this and that Arlington's going to be the home of the United Football League. But he also said that the very first game is going to be held at Choctaw Stadium. So here we are. We know one game on a particular date, we just don't know what time yet, to be determined. But people, this is a chance to start booking flights, hotels, Whatever you got to do, start set schedule. If you want to be there, if, if you feel like you need to support the USFL or XFL side, whatever it is, come out with bells and whistles. <laughs> but so what do you think yeah. about that being put out there versus the whole schedule? Does that kind of rub you the wrong way? Or are you just excited that, yeah, let's just chew on this for right now? No, I, I think this is a good way to do it. So I released a video talking about this idea, but I had a different team on the XFL side. And I had the St. Louis Battlehawks. Now, I understand and I acknowledge that the Arlington Renegades are the best team in the XFL. They won the championship game. But in terms of looks of the league, and this is just my like opinion, I'm not saying whether it's right or wrong. I would have gone Birmingham at St. Louis as the opener game. And I, I just would have made St. Louis the opener game because to me, St. Louis, the Battlehawks, whether made the playoffs or not, which they didn't ask Battlehawks fans, they probably think they should have over the Renegades. You know, that I remember when that was happening, everybody on Twitter was, or how are the Arlington Renegades in, right? I just would have had it at the St. Louis Battlehawks, the opener. Maybe it didn't have to be the Birmingham Stallions. It could have been another team. Just because seeing that on TV as the opening game, look, I'm not trying to throw shade against any other franchise, against Birmingham, against Arlington, against San Antonio, against D.C., any of the other good locations and venues, but nobody does it in spring football like the St. Louis Battlehawks. And my video was, let's do a merger bowl between the Stallions, the most recognizable team in the USFL, and then the Battlehawks the most recognizable team in the uh, XFL. And that was me just looking at it from a brand and a way to build it. 
But this is a great way to do it, too. There's no right or wrong answer. This way makes more sense than my way. I'll be totally honest, because it's the two champions. This might be a little bit easier to brand, because imagine if they did do the Battle Hawks versus the Stallions in, in game one, people would be like, why didn't you just do the champions? I'm excited, and I hope that fans just of the league come. Like, if you're in Houston or San Antonio, you could probably make the trip down to Arlington the slash the Dallas area. I already know on Twitter, so many Stallions fans are getting ready to go to this game. I think this game means a lot to people who are fans of the USFL as well and players because, you know, Pat McAfee, he's certainly pouring gas on the fire. I'm sure you saw the the comment that he made about the, the USFL. And look, it wasn't factually correct. I'm not going to get into that, but... I love Pat McAfee. I love his show and everything. Just sometimes it, it, I think he just, you know, says stuff with his gut. And um, and that's what makes him who he is. I don't want to get off on a tangent. But boy, am I excited. I'm going to be there in Arlington. And I think it's just going to be, it's going to be history. Especially if this league survives. If this league makes it to when we're older, we're going to all look back on this day, the merger bowl between the two champions and say that was the game and hopefully tons of fans show up and show out you know like if we could get more than more than 15,000 fans you know because it is a is a stadium with I believe limited seating because it's in a baseball stadium it's a little different unique layout but this could look really good for the league and I hope it's a good game I'm excited how do you feel well you know I ask the questions and sometimes I don't have an answer myself I'm like yeah you want the champions to go head to head. Yeah, maybe you want the two most recognizable franchises from kids to kick it off. But then I'm also a realist. People that know me, I'm just pretty straightforward. I look at the reality. I know perception is a big part of life for people, but I know that the dome in St. Louis is not available week. So dates will impact that. So okay, would the Battlehawk faithful travel to Birmingham if you were to do it the other way? All right. Yeah, I think they would. Yeah. So there comes that question, right? I could say so many numbers that probably they would. So I don't know, but I also know whether either way becomes a problem, right? You know, you could put first game in a dome, make sure nothing's on weather delay, whatever, but you just can't do it, right? So, yeah. And you, you I didn't realize to, that. Yeah. I mean, so Texas and Arlington, you're outdoors, baseball, same, maybe not the best know situation for what could happen but we also know you kind of get into spring and summertime and you know weather can also be a little crazy in Birmingham so who knows what they were really trying to think and it could just come down to cutting costs right out of the gate let's just make sure we start being really frugal with our money until we start getting money in on you know sponsorship deals and the ticket money starts really coming in and it could be just like hey we're hubbed here we're headquartered out of Arlington Texas Let's just do the very first game here. So we're 100% set up so that the first ever game is set up to be perfect in the, their eyes mm-hmm. of as perfect as they can make it. And that might make sense if they have a whole pregame thing lined up, if they're going to do something at halftime. And who knows what they're thinking, but it might just be easier from a business sense. And if that's the case, I cannot fault it at all. I don't know anything. I'm just trying to think of, well, if you're looking from a business sense, you're right there. It's probably the easiest thing to do. Yeah, I agree. And what was the, let me look up real quick, the Arlington Renegades, they had about 12,000 at each game. Do you think that 
the second year there will be an increase in people going out to games? Or do you think there might be a little more fatigue, kind of like we saw in the TV numbers? The TV numbers for the USFL were down in year two because there wasn't that excitement that there is in year one of a new league. What are your opinions? Because I've seen two different camps on the opinions of of the year two. I think things are not just whether something is a second year dip or a second year increase. I think if we were looking at a typical business, it'd be fair to really look at those numbers and really scrutinize them and really dig in and, you know, tear them apart. But when I look at it, this space, this niche sport at this time of the year has been so volatile that I think a lot of people just couldn't get invested in it. Cause if you look at 2020, Arlington's attendance numbers were significantly higher. I'm not trying to yeah. have like 40,000 people, but I mean, it wasn't at 12,000. I think it was like around 18,000. So, I mean, they were averaging thousands of more people per game. Well, if you also look back in 2020, television ratings were significantly higher. I think the XFL being Coysfield League coming back for a third time, people were very hesitant of supporting it, whether it was to buy tickets, to buy merchandise. Maybe they didn't their own time not to tune in on television. So I think by coming back, that bodes well for anybody. Now, when I look on the USFL side, because it's easy, you know, to be like, well, there's a, there's a dip there. Well, the XFL came back in the same space, right? Sure. Now you had a competing league. So if you were a team, you know, a supporter of whatever, maybe you just want to support football for the one year that there was only one league. So maybe you might have flew into Birmingham to buy tickets and stuff. So I don't look at all those dips as anything that any of these leagues have done wrong. I think the space has been different. I think it's tough to get people like I look at San Antonio and there, you know, you look back at AAF with the commanders, what they drew for attendance and whatnot mm-hmm. and versus what the XFL did here with the Brahmas. And I think there's just all that hesitation. It doesn't even have to be the same branch. Just once you get burnt, you know, once it just doesn't work out for you, kind of tough to be like, why am I going to invest this money and all this time and shift my schedule around for something yeah. that, may not make it around because you look at the commanders, they didn't get through their first season. So it's not like you just had them for a season. You only had them for, you know, a couple home games, essentially. Because it well, they played seven weeks going into week eight, I think is where about where it got pulled. So I mean like yeah. you didn't even get five home games or a playoff game. So I think when you look at that, I don't know. I would like to think that it's not going to dip any further because now the climate, the landscape has now shifted to a point where there is more stability. There's not two leagues. They're not taking shots at each other or whatever. You got hopefully Pat McAfee's of the media come around where they're not going to be throwing shade, right? It's not just leagues themselves and marketing and talking points, but it's also the medium. Hopefully this all kind of come together. And once we do that, then we can kind of build on this. And I hopefully think that this is a starting point. I don't think we see dips. If anything, we see it kind of level out, if not go up. That's kind of what I'm thinking. But yeah. television viewership, I'm thinking it's going to go up because now you don't have to worry about what league you're going to watch. If you want football, it's one league. So I think now instead of maybe focusing on tuning into Fox or tuning tuning in the ESPN for a game on those dates that overlap, now you can just tune in. So hopefully it doesn't get any worse. It's got to go up. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And a team like San Antonio and now Arlington, like I also think the, I mean, this is, this is pretty obvious in sports. The better your team plays, the more fans are going to show up. And Arlington last year, their regular season wasn't all that pretty. Like they were truly 
just I have never seen a playoff run like that, just sneaking into the playoffs and winning. Now that they're champions, you've got to think that maybe more fans are excited about going to games this upcoming season because they're like, oh, we won the championship? I didn't even know that. We were terrible last year. I didn't want to go to any games. And then Luis Perez comes in and turns things around at the very last minute. And then also, I think the same can be said for San Antonio. Like they were, They were good in the Alliance of American Football. The Alliance of American Football was hard because they also, they were, they bent the truth. That's what I'll say about the attendance numbers. <laughs> they lied a little bit on that. Well, San Antonio got like 14.9 thousand fans to games last year. I think that's pretty good considering that they also weren't very good, you know? And now with a new head coach, I expect them to be a lot better. And if they're good, like more fans are going to come, right? Like people were excited about the Birmingham Stallions because they were killing everybody and and everybody would go to all these games and it was super exciting. So I think that also, like there's so, like you said, there's no way to know what one thing plays an impact. There's so many different things. You also have to wonder if post-COVID world, are people less hesitant to go to events like this? Are people more used to just sitting on the couch and watching? It's another, there's so many different factors that are hard to, to put in for attendance and things like that. Which is why I like to use the word landscape and how Mm -hmm. the landscape has changed. So there's there's so many factors and you could seriously just do a whole episode, sit down for an hour or so and just talk about why everything is so, so different in this time and space with this type of sport compared to what our, and, but I mean, we just don't have it. And I'm not saying you want to go there, but you're right. It's just, that's why the landscape has changed for a number of reasons. Before we get into the announcement on new year's day, I just kind of thought of something here and it'd be very awkward, I think in a way, but I want to get your thought on it. Cause I wonder if people are, are wondering it too. Typically, the first home game of a season that a team wins a championship, there's a celebration of raising of a banner, right? Mm-hmm. The trophy probably comes out. This is an awkward oh, yeah. situation because it's two leagues, two champions, <laughs> and they've come together under a new name. Do we see the Arlington Renegades celebrating in front of their fans? Wasting a banner being the 2023 XFL champions. I hope they do. I honestly hope they do. And I hope the Stallions do it for the first game. One, because it's fan service to the average of 12,000 fans that went to all those Arlington Renegades games in the regular season and maybe went to the playoff games and went to the championship. I, I think that You've got to pay the service to that. And I think it's going to it's gonna be awesome on TV to see the banner raised and then see the reactions of the fans and the players from Arlington. But then they're going to be Birmingham fans there booing. You know it. And then just seeing the players, like I know Scooby Wright is like, he's going to be shaking his head. You know, like he's going to be like in disgust because, you know, they believe they're the best team in spring football. So I think it makes for for good TV. And, and good stories, right? I'm I'm excited to see how that plays out. And then with Birmingham, how does that work out? Hopefully they do that when an XFL team is in town because I think that would be fun. Maybe it's week two. I don't know because 
it, it helps kind of build what they're going for. They're going to lean into the XFL USFL thing and you know, they won the championship. So I think also the players like Luis Perez deserves to see that happen. Like he earned that, you know, I agree. They need to do it for the stallions when they get back home. And you mentioned it has to be with the XFL team to kind of have that, that feel right. Yeah. But we're going to get into it here shortly. It can't be the team that has the namesake of an XFL team that is actually rostered and coached by U.S. players because it won't oh. and it won't have the same thing. So, but with that, there's a teaser. Let's get into to New Year's Day, okay? Okay, yeah, so, let's get into it. Yeah, well, I mean, I know we're kind of probably a little bit further along time wise, but so on New Year's Day, once again, now co-owners of the United Football League, Danny Garcia and Dwayne The Rock Johnson appeared on ESPN's College Game Day, where we got the announcement of the eight teams that will partake in the 2024 United Football League season. Well, we've already alluded to the two teams, Arlington Renegades and the Birmingham Stallions, and you've already alluded to conferences. So we do have two conferences. So I'm just going to kind of go down through one, and I'll let you list the other if you'd like. So it's be a little bit more of a participation discussion. But I'll go through the XFL, seeing that people are going to assume that I'm the bias on the XFL side. So why not? I'll take that. Obviously, Arlington Renegades, D.C. Defenders, San Antonio Brahmas, and St. Louis Battlehawks. So on the flip side, USFL Conference. I guess we could go ahead and, and address the elephant in the room, the Houston Roughnecks. <laughs> then you have the Birmingham Stallions, defending champions, the Memphis Showboats, and then finally, the Michigan Panthers. Michigan, I like that. Michigan, well, college football. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I lo- I do like the conferences. I do because in a way, you're going to kind of keep potentially rivalries that were established. Why not play against those teams twice? You know, home and home. So I like that. But yeah, let's talk about the elephant in the room. It's easy to talk about it. All of the teams that made it or did not make it. I mean, obviously, for the lack of more reasoning. Because there's plenty of it, but for time's sake, apparently venues mattered. Yeah. Having home venues, fan bases that have been in buying tickets, whether it was for 2020, 2023, or now on the USFL side, 2022, there's only one team that had a venue for home. And then obviously last year for the 2023 season, you know, Memphis and Michigan added hubs. So obviously that's that was a big part of this. So why don't we just kind of get into though Houston? That's a very odd, intriguing, interesting, however you want to come around it perspective. Um, let's talk about what, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think they make the right decision here. And I know that there are a lot of gamblers fans mad. Look, this is the first thing I'll say. Be thankful you have a team in your city in Houston. Okay. The facts are is that there are more Roughnecks fans than Gamblers fans. There just are. You look at it on social media, the Roughnecks have been around now for one in like a half season. They have a fan base that it's really not fair to take away the brand of fans who have been loyal through two iterations of the XFL and who have a large following in the XFL, right? I mean, th- this isn't this isn't a lower tier XFL brand and team. 
Now, they did struggle a little bit in attendance when compared to XFL 2020. We'll see how that fares in the United Football League with moving stadiums, most likely to Rice Stadium, which is in a beautiful part of Houston. So Rice University, that's an awesome place. That's beside the fact. But the, the facts are, when you look on social media, the Houston Roughnecks totally, I mean, they have a way larger following than the Houston Gamblers. And I know it's weird having them in this USFL division, but it's the USFL Houston Gamblers coaching staff, their general managers, and also, more importantly, their roster. So it is going to be going to be weird. Like, it's already weird seeing the marketing right now where they're showing pictures of like Cole McDonald and Brandon Silvers hyping up the next season while they're not even going to be in Houston, most likely, unless maybe they drop Brandon Silvers or something like that, because Houston will probably be look, looking for a quarterback. That's one of the the question marks they have going into the season, but they're stacked everywhere else. And for Houston Gamblers fans, I'm already talking about things that you know, but maybe Houston Roughnecks fans, you're getting a very good football team. The Birmingham Stallions have lost three games in the span of two years. One of those came to the New Orleans Breakers this past season with McLeod Bethel Thompson and Wes Hills and that awesome defense. The other two losses came to the Gamblers. And the Gamblers players take massive pride in that. And they believe they have what it takes to win a championship. They've got a great team and a great roster, but their coaching is really good. I'm a huge fan of Curtis Johnson. Curtis Johnson is a wide receiver guru, and they have fantastic playmakers and wide receiver. The the quarterback play was the only thing that really like held them back because they've got the run game, they've got the defense and everything. I think Houston fans are going to be excited. And I mean, listen to the roster of wide receivers that Curtis Johnson coached at Miami, Andre Johnson, Santana Moss, and Reggie Wayne. He also recruited Ed Reed. I mean, this guy is like, I really think that this guy is a fantastic coach. Is he as good as Wade Phillips? Let's be honest. No. I mean, Wade Phillips is Wade Phillips, right? But as weird as it is, I'm so excited to see the Houston Roughnecks in, in this in this new iteration and it be the Houston Gamblers. I know that the Gamblers roster and the players, they, they've got a massive chip on their shoulder because, you know, they've beaten the Stallions, but they couldn't figure it out the rest of the way, you know, throughout their USFL season. I think Houston fans should be really excited. And look, this is literally like, a mitigation between the two leagues and the two teams. You get the branding of the XFL and the roster from the USFL. So if you're a Gamblers fan, there's no reason to say that you don't want to follow this team because it's like it's the players. They're just wearing different colors, right? So, and I'm pretty sure, can you gamble in Texas? I was seeing tweets about that. I don't know the gambling laws, but. Sports betting or regular gambling, I would assume there's gambling of some sort. Yeah. I mean, it. Every state technically has it if you have reservations, right? That's something you can't really control. That's kind of something that's in their treaty. So I'm assuming there's probably some reservations of sorts in Texas. I'm not from Texas. I've only been to Texas once, and it was for one weekend. So I can't say I'm an expert on Texas. So those people from Texas do not crucify me if I'm wrong. But, I mean, 
Obviously, I don't think you'd have gamblers if there wasn't some sort of gambling within the state of Texas. But I mean, as far as sports yeah. betting, I don't know. I mean, that, that's, so, a, that's the thing that's shifting across the country. So this is what Twitter fans were making basically memes about uh, Roughnecks fans. I saw a couple of Roughnecks fans when there was a debate on whether it'd be the Roughnecks or the gamblers. The sports betting is not legal in Texas. So that th- those are where the jokes came from that you can't even bet on sports in, in Texas. <laughs> It's kind of fitting in a way, yeah. you know, that not to probably keep that name, but that's an evolving thing. You know, there are states that didn't have it at first that are now. Yeah, I'm sure in they'll some get fashion. it. So I know Florida is one of the, the states that's kind of been a, a hot topic. So in due time, it's probably going to end up everywhere anyway. So it probably won't be much of a an issue, but it could be, you know, a weird discussion point for the time being. You know, I don't want to dive into a whole lot with these. Cause I mean, it's, there's teams that just didn't make it and yeah. that did have venues and Orlando had a venue, Seattle had a venue. So they elected just to go with eight for whatever financial reasons and to solidify again, the foundation and make sure we have this league here for seasons to come. They're going to do it. Now we don't know what that means for 2025. We don't know what that means for 2026. I know that recently the United Football League's president and CEO, Russ Brandon, was on ESPN 101 in St. Louis talking about some things. And he was talking about expansion, but not with any vision behind it, but just talking about how they have had discussions of what that might look like in the future. So it's not this foreign concept to the league at this point, but we have eight teams and that might be just for this season, but it might be for a season or two. But let's just be happy with what we have. And there's a lot to be unhappy about, but let's focus on that. But you mentioned rosters at one point, and I, I don't want to get into it too deep there, but because there's a lot yet to come up, right? Yeah. I mean, dispersal drafts and stuff like that. There's supposedly that's reported. It's not been confirmed. Once the league will get more news out, we'll probably get some more news today and possibly tomorrow and whatnot. But we will start getting the information that we're hearing it's going to be 42 players protected. And then at first, the first round, they're going to be drafting, as you alluded to, coming from James Larson and whatnot. They're going to be essentially only drafting players out of their own conference or league previously. So the XFL teams would be looking at the players now that are available from you know the Orlando Guardians, the Sea Dragons, the Vipers, and, and the likes of, the, of those teams. The same thing with now on the flip side. Now you got the Stars... Maulers, Generals. Generals, yeah. And the Breakers, right? They're going to be available on the USFL side. So knowing that, it doesn't matter who you have protected. It's just you know the rest of the guys are going to go in this pool and be available. You can still cut, move people around. And then when the second phase comes around, then the XFL side, whoever's still available, will be available for USFL teams to, or conference teams to take, and vice versa with the XFL reaching across and grabbing those unprotected or undrafted players at that point from the USFL conference. So looking at this, I hate to look at rosters too much because they are what they are today, but they don't necessarily going to look that way once they start picking up these other players. And we know there's so many players from both of these leagues and conferences that have gone to the national football league, signed practice squad deals, couple guys here and there have made the active day roster for the National Football League teams. But there's a good possibility we could see Alex Magoo back. Right now, it doesn't appear to be that way. It doesn't appear that A.J. McCarron is back, right? So you look on both sides, there's these possibilities like, well, do they get 
their star quarterback back. Because if they don't, does that change things for the Stallions? Does that change things for the Battle Hawks? I mean, there's so there's a lot of things just to look at. Okay, maybe we don't see the exact teams back, but maybe maybe they might be somewhat similar. Because it, right yeah. now it's kind of tough to really know. So that's where I don't want to get into who's your pick because I have a hard time doing that because, heck, we've even seen coaches change. You know, we, we alluded to how yes. Ambler staff and players roster right now are the roughnecks. Wade Phillips is out, but guess where he's at? He's in San Antonio. Heinz Ward's out. So now that means that staff is should. We know they lost their defensive coordinator, went over to the EFL and, and whatnot. So now that means like A.J. Smith and company. You know, young, you know, highly mm-hmm. touted offensive coordinator. Does he bring his system in? So, again, I don't even know what to expect from San Antonio. <laughs> yeah. And John Filippo is now going to coach the Memphis Showboats, which is also an upgrade, I think. Um, just my pure opinion. But, yeah, no, you have a great point. We have no idea what these rosters are going to look like. But I think you're as a spring football fan, you might have to get used to that. A little bit because whether some fans want to hear it or not, these leagues, the players go to these leagues to get to the NFL, right? If they get signed to an NFL team, they're going to do their best to stay there. So if the league is successful, that means every year we'll have new guys coming in for new opportunities. Now, with that being said, you're going to get kind of different players who are different playing career timelines of their lives. There might be some players who have been in the NFL like Josh Gordon, and maybe he might not ever get an opportunity because of his age to go back to the NFL, and he could just make a living and have fun playing in these leagues. So like you said, there's so many factors to this, and we really don't know what the rosters are going to look like. Now, I think what's important is the teams that, are going to be very successful heading out of the draft are the teams that start with just the most depth. I mean, that's no secret. It's kind of like opt-outs in college football. Like Notre Dame and Oregon State played each other and both teams had a ton of opt-outs. And when you look at that game, and I'm not a betting man, but if I wanted to bet on it, I would have I looked at it and I said, well, one team has way more depth than the other, and they're both playing their depth players. You know, they might have, if they played each other at full strength, that would be an incredible football game. You got DJ, you got Sam Hartman, two really good quarterbacks, but they're both sitting out. And the difference between the guys who are sitting out, it's just, it's about the depth. So I look at a team like the Stallions. Sure, they signed, have a lot of guys getting signed to the NFL, but they're depth players are really, really good, the ones that they're going to retain. So it's kind of like they have a little bit of a head start, and then they can start signing some pieces of guys that they need just to fill in the roster spots. Where you look at a team maybe like the Memphis Showboats or even, I would say, the Michigan Panthers, who might have a little bit more holes in their roster, they're going to be having to bring in guys to start ASAP, and they you know they just don't have as much depth. And that's another strategy thing that I I believe James has talked about. And it's, when you look at the XFL and the USFL, it's going to be interesting to see how many players each team retains going into these drafts. It, it will show the confidence in their roster. Is Wade Phillips going to retain that entire Brahma's roster? Or is he going to be like, I want to bring in my guys. I want to bring in some Houston, Houston Roughnecks players, you know? Well, he probably will. But yeah. can he bring in as many as he wants, right? So that's going to be the problem about even if you're bringing 
most of your coaching staff because I know there's a bunch of people now we're seeing signing or wherever. Okay, we saw the Stallions defensive backs coach sign with Marshall University. He got yeah. elevated from their analyst position, so we know he's gone. We know um, DC defenders tight end coach also went to Marshall. Oh yes, become their offensive yeah. line coach. So when you just look at this. We don't know how this is all going to play out. And it's not just how a head coach. It's going to be an offense coordinator, defensive coordinator, and all the position coaches are going to want to put their input in and be like, hey, I like this guy. I like this guy. This is the schemes we want to run. Is your roster that you have to protect out of 42, are you protecting the players that may be the best players? Or are you protecting the best players that fit the schemes and the playbook and stuff that you want to run moving forward? So it will be interesting. But then it's also kind of putting yourself at a potential disadvantage because going into the draft, you only have the opportunity per round to select only so many players. You're not the only one potentially maybe going after the player you want that's left yes. from these other teams. So whether you, Wade Phillips and A.J. Smith want either quarterback that had, you know, McDonald's or Silvers, it doesn't matter. Like at this point, are you going to be able to get them? So yep. there's a lot that you've got to be very careful. Is, is what, that's what I'm saying. Like this is going to be the intriguing part. That shift alone is a very big question mark surrounding San Antonio Brahmas. So that's why I don't want to kind of get to There is one other thing before we wrap this up, because we're probably running a little long here. I did not mention from New Year's Eve's press release, because I didn't get into that on the NFL on Fox's pregame show, but they did mention where I had alluded to that Russ Brandon was named the president and CEO of the United Football League. And Daryl Johnston was named the president of football operations. Thoughts on that? We're keeping two key figures tied to both of the separate leagues. Do you think that's enough to appease both sides in the, in the leadership team? So I can't speak for us, Brandon. I've never met him, never talked to him. Seems like a great guy. Seems like he knows what he's doing. But I can speak about Daryl Johnston because... He was on the sidelines a lot. And this is what I'll say about Daryl Johnston. And I think players would agree as well. And you saw this in the United by Football documentary that the USFL had in season one. But there was a clip of him in Birmingham and he was helping load the buses and like picking up trash and things like that. When I was working on the sidelines after the games, we wouldn't ha- we weren't told to clean up, but it was like, you know, come on, clean it, clean up the field if there's trash, you know, put, put stuff in the trash. And he was helping put up benches and, and, you know, getting trash off the field. And it was really cool working as an intern, seeing the president of the entire United States Football League, this guy who is on Fox NFL commentating, this legendary Hall of Famer from the Dallas Cowboys, one of the biggest brands in, in all of sports cleaning up trash and like he would make small talk with me on the sideline. Like I had a, I had this really unique USFL hat that we got and I got compliments, compliments on it all the time from players and fans as such. And Daryl Johnson was like, we need to make these hats um, and stuff like that. So he was also just really personable and, you know, I don't know how he worked in the office, but in the office on game days, which was the field, he was selfless and, he he led by example. He was never big enough to do the little things. And to me, that was most impressive. And players have been vocal about that on Twitter as well. I'm fine with it coming from the XFL camp. Okay. I mean, I, I look at Russ Brain, anyone that may not be aware, he's been in sports 
and front offices at high level president yeah. levels with the Buffalo Bills, the Buffalo Sabres, with, with, with all the Pagula sports. He was essentially made the man at the sporting level, not from ownership across the overseeing two separate entities. Now, we can argue whether those are thriving franchises in any way, but I think it's also fitting because it's a small market for either one of those leagues, those teams are, and it has a very good understanding of what it's going to take because this is this is not the NFL. This is kind of running a business very different. you got to think outside the box. And again, he's only allowed to do so much by ownership anyway. So it's it's you're giving your green lights and whatever, but then within that area, he knows how to navigate. So I don't look at the XFL's losses and put that on Russ Brandon. They might be more budgetary that they had, and they couldn't really go into a marketing campaign and and push in certain areas that they probably should have. But, you know, for a startup, I expected it to be a little bit tighter, especially coming in for a third time. So I don't put that all on him. But I do think he's probably the right guy that understands business, especially from maybe small market, but competing against big entities, right, with the other sports and, and things that are out there. So I think that's interesting. And when I look at Johnston Moose there, I think he might be the right guy. I know they moved on from Mark Ross, and I kind of saw that opportunity. I thought this is kind of how it would play out. He's been very involved in player personnel and operations since he's retired as a player. Yes, he's done commentary and, and whatnot, but when I look at this, I'm like, you know, that's really more of a fitting spot than versus being a president on the business side. So I'm like, well, mm-hmm. why not let him take over? Now, what's also intriguing about this is it's a, a meshing of the teams, right? If you kind of look at how things are, Doug Whaley's still around and whatnot. So it tells us, it's going to be interesting to see how the operations kind of come out. And also it looks like Pereira and Landino are going to be around per uh, Russ Brandon's conversation on ESPN 101 there in St. Louis. So it looks like we have a lot to find out of what it's going to look like as far as final product come kickoff on the 30th of March. Yeah, and I think it's going to be a little bit of a homecoming for Moose Johnston, uh, considering that, you know, there's going to be a team in Arlington. But he also worked for the Commanders in the Alliance of American Football and had a big part in that. So it's going to be fun seeing him back in San Antonio after uh, what he did there. So I'm very excited. I think it's going to, you know, I hope, I feel like this is the last big batter up for spring football. It's like you got to hit a home run or... I don't know if anybody's ever going to try spring football again if, like, The Rock can't do it, you know? Well, when you have the money that's tied into it now, yeah, you have Fox behind it. You have ESPN. When you looked at the one press release and it talked about the partners, and when you see the picture that came out from the Capitol of the people that were involved, so that's not just Fox, Dwayne, The Rock Johnson, Danny Garcia, Redbird Capital. ESPN had representation there. Yeah. We know the XFL was selling, okay, and I'm not going to get into it, but it appears, it appears, ESPN, Walt Disney Company, however you want to look at this, has an ownership stake in this. So you have this type of money behind it. If this does not happen, it's not just the personality and the fame of yeah. the Rock Johnson. If this does not happen, you're right. I don't know if it ever happened. Yeah. I, I think that the next step is selling franchises which has been reported that there's a couple lined up. So I, I haven't been paying attention. Last question before I go, because this has been happening on the USFL side. It's actually happened in year one when it was rumored that A-Rod wanted to get the generals. Has it been reported as much on the XFL side? 
no, I don't have any information that's been shared to me about particular markets and particular ownerships. I okay. haven't even seen it out there reported by somebody else. But I do have information from my sources that obviously since this merger has been going in that the USFL teams have two owners lined up. One of those is Memphis. Memphis with the FedEx guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's been day one. <laughs> Hearing Michigan, big reason of them coming back, not only going to Michigan, but a big reason of why it took a little while for them to get back in there. But I've heard ties to Rocket Mortgage. Rocket Mortgage, something. Yeah, and they're they're a sponsor on the Michigan uniforms as well. So just not done deals, but I heard that they are very close. That's and that's good news. That's really good news if that's the case too. Maybe hey, maybe Michigan is Eminem. He wanted a franchise in the Alliance of American Football back in the day. Never actually happened, but it'd be cool to have Eminem as an owner. (laughs) But you know, on the flip side, unfortunately. If the Generals and A-Rod were to be likely, I'm assuming that's not so much anymore if the Generals oh, yeah. make it. So. That was year one, like a long time ago, and that was just rumors. I don't I don't know if that ever was. You know, it could have just been like, hmm, that, that would be cool to own a franchise, and then some, you know, got reported or something like that. But we 100%, I, I didn't know about Michigan, but knew a lot about, about Memphis and how much they want to football obviously you know the usfl is investing in their stadium too in their renovations so well let's just be fair again it's not official this is what i'm hearing from my sources close to the to the xfl side right in in that camp but obviously when things get going more information became a little bit more fluid between the two sides which now makes a little bit more sense with seeing how things going again not official not announced not by any party all right i'm just what i'm hearing within the camp okay and i'm not talking about from other media outlets I'm hearing from within the camp. So take it with a grain of salt for what it is. Again, we know this has been a fluid situation. Yeah. So, much could do, so that doesn't mean that until somebody signs and money exchanges hands, doesn't mean somebody can't back out on a deal. So just take it for what it's worth, folks. But you know, Sean, I really do appreciate you for your time and having you on the show to discuss this week's United Football League's announcements. And just, you know, kind of your thoughts surrounding the new league in general. You know, hopefully we can stay connected and make, you know, this happen again in the future. We can kind of have you return to discuss UFL matters either during or after the 2024 season. Yes, yes. I love to return. I love to talk once we get more information about the league. As you said, it's been very fluid. <laughs> if if there will be, you know, this merger mini draft or draft or whatever is going to happen next. You know, your your thoughts out there listening in the podcast world are as good as mine. That's how crazy the things have been changing. You know, went from 12 to 10 to 8. We don't, you know, the city's uh, being flexible. So it's been fun. It's been fun, but crazy. Yeah, it's probably the best way to put it, fun but crazy. (laughs) Yes. But before I let you go, if you don't mind, can you take a moment and let our listeners know where they can find you and your show? Yep, so I'm on uh, YouTube, and it's just The Space End Zone, like in football. That's uh, If you search USFL News, XFL News, or UFL News, you should find some of my videos as well. All right, perfect. Thank you, Sean. Awesome. Thank you. I am appreciative to Sean for agreeing to appear on the show and discuss these recent announcements. The goalposts have moved. The XFL and his teams are only part of this new adventure. 
having people who are from the USFL camp, whether they have been employed by the league or have been devoted media covering it, help us to provide better and less biased coverage. If you are looking for more United Football League content and discussions surrounding both announcements, you can check out my guest appearance on the United Football League's podcast, New Year's Special. Unfortunately, we do not have any fan line messages this week. If you have an XFL-related comment, question, or hot take and would like it to be heard on the show, reach out to the fan line by calling 863-TALK-XFL or 863-825-5935. Doing so, your message could be included in an upcoming episode. All good things must come to an end. This concludes another episode of Player 54 Podcast. As always, I am interested in receiving your feedback. So do not be a stranger. Reach out to let me know your thoughts. And if you do so, your comments might just make it on the show. But before you go, do not forget to subscribe and rate the show on your platform or choice. One last thing. If you are interested in checking out our friends over at True Victory, do not forget to click on the link in the show's description and notes, as well as that sweet code, PLAYER54, for 15% off your purchase. Thank you for tuning in. Till next time, cheers. Thank you for tuning into today's show. Don't forget to subscribe and rate Player 54 Podcast on your platform of choice. You can follow the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Player 54 Podcast. Do you have a question or topic you would like to have addressed on the show? Message the show via social media or send an email to player54podcast at gmail.com.